Black women are getting the full complex anti-hero deep dive. I want to understand their psychology treatment. And I, I want to see that continue because it's such a rich landscape. Some of the stuff rock and how are we doing? This was really going on in black women's minds. This was really going on in our minds. I, I, I don't think people understand that enough. That's going to make a lot of folks straighten up in their seat tonight. <laughs> Hopefully act right, fly right, you know? I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. So today's show is all about the people we love to hate on TV. Anti-heroes. Think Walter White, Stringer Bell, Tony Soprano, the classics. You know, the usually white men, we're being honest, who do all the things we wish we could do by any means necessary, even if it means ruining everyone else's life in the process. But guess what? There's a new vanguard in town, the Black female antihero. Yes. And if it's one thing I believe in, it's women's rights. But I especially believe in women's wrongs. And the two women we're spotlighting today have done a lot of wrong on their respective shows. But somehow it makes me love them even more, even when I'm left speechless. But I won't spoil too much. Stay tuned after the break to find out who these women are and why they keep us coming back every week. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Tony Soprano, Walter White, Don Draper, Stringer Bell, Omar, the one and only James St. Patrick. What would you say all these men have in common? Mm, I was going to say sexy, but then I was like, ah, Walter White. eh, eh, eh." (laughs) I mean, some people like him. Some people, you know, you put the hat on. That's true. He just, he seems a little tired. But yeah, I would overall say, okay, leading men, leading men. Maybe perhaps anti-heroes? Anti-heroes. TV loves a complicated man. Cannot get enough. Breaking Mm -hmm. Bad, The Sopranos, Mm -hmm. Mad Men, The Wire, Power, Mm -hmm. and it's million million (laughs) iterations. Like... It feels like so many of the prestige TV shows we get right now are about some sort of moody man who does stuff that like we, we sometimes like we most of the times don't when you think about all these like male anti-heroes on tv you find a lot of people mm. being like i relate to them how many times have i said i relate to tony soprano like i can't even count you 
Reference him a surprising amount uh, look, for working in podcasting. Look, a lot <laughs> of the stuff that he goes through, I'm like, I get it. I feel it. But like, I think that a lot of like their sort of desire for success, desire to conquer, to dominate, I think that that's assumed to be like across the board, like a popular common motivator for most men. It's a tale as old as time, but it feels like times might be a changing. And I feel like it's a good time to change it up a little bit. Let's maybe talk about two women who have naked hunger and ambition and desire to, like, take over the world by any means necessary. And, you know, maybe we can see how that makes their characters a bit deeper and resonant. Almost any of the antiheroes I feel like we have seen on TV mm. before. Even even Don Draper, who I used to say was like the homie back in the day. He, 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 he was there. <laughs> Draper, your homie. Early making seasons. my point, making my point. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm coming back to Don. I'm okay. coming back to Don okay, for okay. a good reason. Okay. But let's get to our first woman that's out there wrecking shit. We need to start off first and foremost by talking about Harper's term from industry. I think this is the closest thing to a meritocracy there is. Wake up! People know what they're joining. I only want to be judged on the strength of my abilities. If you haven't seen Industry, first of all, you should. Yes. Industry is an HBO drama, premiered in 2020, and it just finished its second season in September. And it centers on the professional and personal lives of a group of recent graduates entering the London office of a cutthroat finance firm called Pierpoint. And I mean... It's not an overstatement for me to say that industry is a wild ass show. Everyone's doing drugs. Yes. Everybody's fucking everybody else. They're making money. They're losing money. I want to say money. I don't mean like $100, $600, $8,000. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Making money and losing it just as fast. Okay. They're doing corporate espionage. Like it's a ride, but nobody, I really mean nobody, embodies the show's mission like its main character, Harper Stern, played by Mahala Harold. What the balance for you? Can't do five. Four, please. They're paying for your idea. Make them fucking pay. Four cents. Four cents. Because I'm excellent. Four cents. Do I just say done? Half a yard done. Four cents. Half a yard done. Four cents. Let's see where this takes us. So Harper stands out at Pierpoint. She's American and she's from a working class background. She can be forceful, impulsive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even demeaning. <laughs> but yes, that too. <laughs> definitely that too. But she's also like, she's sharp and she's resourceful and she's like refreshingly bold. Harper could be doing lines off someone's bathroom sink one minute. And she could be back channeling over an upcoming trade with a billionaire startup founder the next. Like she contains multitudes, I would say. She does. <laughs> So the other thing is that she's also the only Black woman that we see, at least, as the viewers, at Pierpoint, at least in the London office. And her combination of aggression and finesse feels incredibly unique, not just on the show, but also to me, just like when I think about how Black women act at work or how they're shown to behave at work on TV or just in media in general. I feel like the common refrain of how black women are characterized at work, especially when they're not more than one of them, mm-hmm. is like uber competent, very gregarious. They're the cool kid, but mm-hmm. like are not getting access 
to stuff. They're color, literally. Yes. Like it's like it's like a little bit of fun, a little bit of oh, this is what's cool. Harper ain't none of those things. She's <laughs> prickly. What you're saying gets at like the the main thing that that makes me so fired up about Harper. Like she feels like our Walter White, Tony Soprano. Like she does have a certain level of competence. Like she's incredibly bright. She's a beast, but also she screws things up a lot. Okay. It's already done. Execute anywhere within 10 grand and you might get away with this. This was one-way traffic. Print is soft and running it. Harper, don't fuck around. Cover that risk now. Harper! There's a reason I'm sat here. Bear with me. But it's never really the end for her. And I feel like we rarely get to see that. Like She does face consequences. I don't want to make it sound like she doesn't face consequences. I mean, shit, at the end of the second season, I don't want to give it away. Yeah, she faces some pretty big consequences. <laughs> but more so, I, and I know the show kind of hangs in the balance now. I think it's been said that maybe it could come back for a third season or maybe the end of the second season was the finale. But regardless, if the show is picked back up, I know that the show's not going to pick up with Harper flat on her ass. She will fall down, but she don't stay down too long. Yeah. It's like Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, he died at the end. But I never he, saw it. So. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, the thing I want to say, I used to watch a little show called, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but I used to watch a little show regularly called Entourage. Mm-hmm. And Entourage is not that deep a show. It's about a famous white guy, actor, and his friends and their agent. and like. But it's literally a series of them failing up. Yeah, They make terrible decisions, yeah. do every wrong possible thing, and then somehow, some way, oh, it just works out in the end. And it's that's a comedy. The industry is not a comedy. But <laughs> the thing that I think is very different about that type of dynamic is I feel like with Harper's mistakes, you understand how dire these choices could be mm-hmm. for her. She is the only black woman on the trading floor that we have seen. She is fairly junior. She is. She could easily be so relegated to obscurity or, you know, sent Absolutely. back home or all of these things. It's interesting to see someone still being like, fuck it, I'm going to choose chaos. I'll make sure he reads you the wrong way. We are going to cheat him. We're going to tell him that you're stopping out. He'll think you're buying to cover the short. So he'll set his price high. We'll get his price. And then we'll sell through him and move this thing our direction. You pull this off. Then you are my client. And you will tell everyone. And if I-, I feel like we don't typically get to see us in that space. Yeah. I mean, even that, that that's something that even extends to the way that she's put together on the show. Something that I love about industry is that Harper visually breaks out of the mold that we typically see of like the hyper-competent professional Black woman. Even like the messy hyper-competent fictional Black woman like an Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder or Olivia Pope from Scandal. Mm-hmm. Like they, I, I think, are like the, the key precedents that show a Black woman in sort of a high-power, high-stress workplace on TV. Their whole thing is kind of like, their personal lives are messy, but they always are perfectly poised, put together. They're like top to bottom pristine. I mean, even when I think about that one scene from How to Get Away with Murder, where where Annalise Keating takes off her wig and takes off yes. her makeup, and you see her sort of like stripping down at home, the image of 
Annalise Keating, as an incredibly put together, incredibly poised person, is so strong that it is jarring when we see her take her wig and makeup off in that scene. It's meant to make a statement. Like, Olivia and Annalise never look less than perfect. Harper doesn't really look like that. And I haven't been in corporate America for some time, but I did my time. And I found myself on most days looking more like Harper of Mm -hmm. slightly grown out braids, the bun, the famous corporate black girl bun, the nice snatchback (laughs) bun. Seeing her, especially as she's first entering Pierpoint, she does end up making some money. And in the second season, you see her clothes kind of become a little bit more stylish, but still to a certain degree, you know, she's got like the off the rack pants and blazers. Mm-hmm. She's got her some Ann Taylor loft going in somewhere. And she doesn't have on that much makeup. It costs money to look that way. It takes time to look that way. And frankly, when you are a black woman trying to keep your head above water and one of these types of institutions or one of these types of organizations, you don't really always have the time, truthfully, to be putting yourself together like an Olivia Pope or an Annalise Keating every single day. Olivia got a lot of white. That's a high dry cleaning deal. Okay. That's a high dry cleaning Okay. Deal. Also, these women are like 10, 20, 30 years into their career. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they, like that we're getting, putting some visuals to seeing a scrappy young black woman who's getting started, right? And mm-hmm. isn't yet at that level. Between some of the girl boss shows and social media, I think that like everyone believes that we're all going to work in like sort of like you part wigs with leave out and like a full (laughs) face of airbrush makeup on every day. And some people do. And if you do that, I support you. But some of us are tying our edges down and putting a baseball cap on it right until we get into that office lobby. I love the fact that Harper looks like a black woman who has shit fucking going on outside of the way she looks. I feel like there's an aspect to Harper's complicatedness that we haven't gotten to, which is this is not a show about racism. Mm -mm. It's not a show about patriarchy. This is a show where capitalism, patriarchy, and racism, those dynamics affect everything. Yes. And they also affect the dynamics of Harper's choices. What I thought is, one, is just cool about the show. I feel like I don't get a chance to see a lot of high-stakes almost like crabs in a barrel type mm-hmm. of uh, like activities. Harper is not, she ain't necessarily always out here like, you know, skin folk, kin folk. She is out here for her. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, how does that fit into your desire and understanding of Harper? I like it. <laughs> because <laughs> Say more, yeah. The thing that I think that industry does that's perhaps maybe the most interesting thing is bring up, to your point, Issues of sort of like intersectional identity and issues of patriarchy mm-hmm. and racism and microaggressions and all that stuff without making it explicit. Specifically, yeah. there's this almost like colleague triangle in the first season between Harper, her mentor, Eric, who is mm-hmm. a fine ass man, <laughs> played by Ken Long. I don't Lung. know why I did. Of course, I should have been waiting on that. I don't know why you never said this. We talk about this a lot. You never said that, but that is par for your course. That is par for my course. Eric is played by Ken Long, who is, I mean, like in all seriousness, gives a phenomenal performance on the show. He's amazing in the role. He's eating every single motherfucking scene. Eric is also American. He's a man of color. He's an Asian man. And he's originally from the New York office of Pierpoint. And he's since just been in London fucking shit up, like just making a lot of money being aggressive, being buck wild on the floor. And Harper's 
on his team initially when she first joins Pierpoint. And they see a kinship in each other. He sees her as like somebody who's young, hungry, American, of color, reminds him of himself. That's intimidating. We intimidate people here. Why is that? Because hunger is not a birthright. Your qualifications don't have to be a problem for you because they don't have to be a problem for me. You understand what I'm saying? But still, Eric, at the end of the day, is out for himself only. Harper also has this working relationship with Daria, who is also a slightly more senior coworker. She's a kind of like a number two to Eric. Yeah, she's kind of like a number two to Eric. The thing about Daria, though, is that she will like where even though Eric is is only out for himself, he at least sees enough of himself in Harper that he wants to help kind of foster her talent. Because he knows that if he gasses her up, she will make money for his team. Whereas Daria, she's very power hungry, but she pretends like there's this kinship that she and Harper should be having. Because they're both both women. women. Yeah. And the show really sets it up without making it, I think, like without screaming it from the rooftops. They do it in a really subtle, really smart way. Harper had the balls to work on something that was cogent and commercial enough to be put in front of clients. We reward her. That's the system. And if you'd asked me about it, I could have provided you with a list of more suitable clients. I'd appreciate not being ambushed. Jesus Christ. You want to make MD early, and I still have to hold your fucking hand. But you see Harper basically have to decide between, is she going to go with the man of color? Is she going to go with the white woman? Ultimately, spoiler, she goes with the man of color, but not necessarily because he's... Asian and she's black, she sees at the micro level a lot of the failed promises of white feminism at the Mm -hmm. macro level, which is like white women want solidarity when they're really out only for themselves. And oftentimes their goals only extend to the point where they feel that they've received or that they have as much power as a white man. Because nobody really in her environment is 100% about her, I support her being 100% about herself. I think that black women are not always taught to do that. There's a lot of talk. There's a, there's, we talk a good game. But when you think about like what you're actually <laughs> taught at home, I'm serious. When yeah. you think about no, what no, you're I mean. actually taught at home, it's to be accommodating, it's to be polite, and that's how you're going to get ahead. And I mean, you do kind of have to play some of that game, but Harvard will play none of it. <laughs> and she, she still does. wins. I really love what you said about so much of the dynamics being underneath the surface. You mentioned the camaraderie that Harper and Eric have Mm -hmm. in the show. And so much of that camaraderie is because of an understanding of just how fucked up the system is to the point that you have to be out here by yourself, especially if you don't come from money or power or status. Mm -hmm. One of the things I thought was most fascinating about Harper is like, I see that moment as her looking at this this system. Mm -hmm. The system that is fucked up has denied probably everybody who looked like her most shit. And I think rightly knows that because of who she is, she is uniquely maybe smarter than it. (laughs) Yeah. And wants to game it. Like there's a confidence in her ability to get over and through that in a scenario like that, I wildly respect making that choice the way she does, which is what men in these scenarios do all the time, all the time. is the thing that allows not only her the most upward mobility, but like the most power to protect her station. And like 
I don't know, it was just kind of masterful to watch someone play in those dynamics, which are really difficult and happen everywhere. Yeah. To be straight up, kind of happen in podcasting sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, like, but like for real, it's, but you know, all these things are at play. These types of dynamics are at play in every industry. Yeah, it's just so fascinating to watch this black woman play within it. The thing that I love about Harper, and I think why she gives me this warm, fuzzy feeling inside <laughs> when I watch, is I think that warm fuzziness is the familiarity of seeing embodied a feeling that I felt inside. Probably every Black woman has an inner Harper because at the end of the day, sometimes people will cut up and they will fuck with you and they will act a fool and they need to be reminded who the fuck you are. Yeah. And you can't always do that full out the way that you want. You can do a little bit. You can't always do it full out the way that you want. But Harper does it full out with her chest every single time. And that, I think, is what makes the show engaging. Like, Harper is the person who grows up to be Olivia Pope or Annalise Keating. Mm. You don't mm. get to that level without acting as ridiculous as she does. And like, okay, yes, everyone knows Annalise Keating and and Olivia Pope are messy, but people still kind of wanted to be like them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the whole Olivia yeah. Pope, it's handled. She's comp. People were a little horny over her competence, I think, mm -hmm. at times. And if you think about real life examples, right, of Black people, Black women specifically with that type of political or social power, yeah. even though people have these strong reactions to Harper, they still admire the Obamas and Oprah mm -hmm. and Meghan Markle and, you know, any other super powerful corporate black person. I'm not saying that Oprah came in to her local TV news station when she was getting started. <laughs> she was cutting people at the knees like Harper, but you don't amass the type of social capital, wealth, and power that those people do without repeatedly <laughs> pulling yeah. off Harper-like stunts. So I, I just find it very interesting that like Harper kind of embodies to me, I think everything that we admire, but also everything that we... Like everything that we shame, but also depending on what the package looks like, that could also be everything that we admire. There is one thing that does give me some significant pause about the investment with Harper mm -hmm. and industry. It actually starts with Mad Men. Okay. So obviously Mad Men, one of the most iconic, complicated white man shows. <laughs> I fell hard for a Mad Men. It was a good show. It was a great it show. Was good, yeah. It was a good show. I was obsessed, frankly, with the kind of battle at the heart of the main character, Don Draper, the complicated man. Like there was always this kind of seemingly like battle for Don's soul, you know, mm -hmm. like how, like what was he going to choose? Was he going to choose to kind of live a more honest life mm -hmm. or is it all about the pursuit of money, power, status, that type of thing? And Mammoth takes you on a wonderful journey through that problem. Like, you you know, sometimes Don's the villain. Sometimes, like, he is the hero. You understand a lot of why he does what he does, even if you don't agree mm -hmm. with it. But I developed a really deep affinity for that, similar to the reasons that you described. Like, I understand why most folks make the complicated choice. <laughs> Would I do it? No, no, not all the time. I got, I got some things I'm trying to hold on to. But I understand. At the end of the show, you see Don choose capitalism, choose charisma, choose, like... It's clear, like, okay, I've learned some things. Yeah. But not a lot. <laughs> and I'm still done. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, that actually really fucked me up 
when you watch the series, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't, it didn't to me initially, but I went back and actually rewatched that last season. And it makes perfect sense how they get to where Don ends up. But the thing I can get sick of with the complicated man trope mm-hmm. is that there isn't as much opportunity for real growth because of how much chaos that person can sometimes need to cause in other places. And so like with Harper, I feel like we're going to get to see a lot of Harper's trajectory. And I love this battle that she is fighting for her soul. And I am nervous that the takeaway is still going to kind of be making some of those complicated choices like that we get but that we wish she would have done something maybe even slightly different. We wish there were maybe a third way. I think, mm. you know, obviously Harper doesn't have to be everything. I, I don't want her to actually fix anything too fast because <laughs> this shit is fun. It's fun <laughs> yeah, to watch. I was going to say, I'm like, come on, it'll be a boring show, be a boring show. But I am curious to see what an evolution of a Harper looks like because... Mm. She's already a really fascinatingly complex character. And they're putting her in re- these really fascinatingly complex decisions. And I guess I'm just curious to see if and how and where she might be able to, to grow as a character. And I, my worry is because it's so fun to see her be fucked up, mm-hmm. that we might get a little bit too much of it. I don't know. Do you have that worry at all? I'm not worried. <laughs> the reason why I'm not worried is because Harper's the protagonist. And I don't think that this kind of black female protagonist has been seen before. And so as a yeah. result, I've begun to read her without any convention. And so like convention mm. would say that like something's going to happen or she, you know what I mean? Like you're worried. You're yeah. like, yeah, but I don't know. Ultimately, like what Don Draper meditated. Sorry, he meditated. <laughs> and then he made like and- one of the most famous Coke commercials of all time. You know, within the mythology of the show. I think that Harper is going to be okay because she is the protagonist. And I think when it comes to protagonists, it's like that corny kind of like chicken soup for the soulism. Like, it's all going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's because it's not the end. (laughs) That's how I feel about Harper. But I mean, I do think that's interesting. Like, I had a really, okay, this is like different conversation that I have. I was talking to Maya Kate on it's been a minute i don't know if this made tape Mm -hmm. and she said something about how black people are thought to be the moral center of like a film like you're the film's conscience and i think that goes probably double or triple or quadruple for black women and so i wonder if part of the discomfort because i think we're all registering some discomfort even if it's not exactly how you would articulate or even to the level that you're feeling it we're all feeling some discomfort because it's like as a black woman, you either got to be the moral compass. And if you're not, if you're anything less than the moral compass, you're typically punished. So it's just like, girl, what's going on? What's going yeah. on? But they do such a good job establishing Harper's interiority that even sometimes the most chaotic things that she does, even if that's not the mode I'm in all the time, I'm like, mm, I felt that before. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I felt that one. I get it. I'm biased. And I feel like, you know, by story logic, she's probably going to be some form of fine. Maybe the first season I might have felt that more, but now I'm kind of like, mm. Harper's free. I'm free. I'm going to, Harper's going to fuck it up. You want I'm all my black women too. to be free? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, we should take a quick break, but when we get back, we there is a whole nother complicated woman who we have not gotten to. And this woman murders people. 
So, you know, it's going, it's, it's lit. <laughs> I never like, really thought of her murdering people like that, but you're absolutely right. She be killing people sometimes. I don't like, but they deserve it. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. More on that <laughs> after, after the, the break. break. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Okay, so it's time for the second complicated woman on our list. Raquel Rock Thomas from Power, Raising Canaan. Ma, I want to help you. Get me started in the business. The streets don't play Canaan. That's what I keep trying to tell you. But you don't want to hear me, though. Sadly, before we like get to Raising Canaan, because this is power, we got to give you a little bit of backstory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I, I promise you, we're coming back to rock. Okay. Real quick. So, okay. If you don't know anything about power, Brittany, I know you avoided it for a long time. <laughs> I, I feel you know like I made, just, I like forced it on. When I missed the first couple seasons, I was like, this is too unwieldy. Who is Ghost? Who is Jamie? Who is these people? But yes, you got me. You got me. We're raising Canaan. You got me. <laughs> so Power was this like little hood hip hop soap opera that could, that ran from about 2014 to 2020. And it told the story of James St. Patrick, who was played by Omari Hardwick. It was basically like, it's like family man, nightclub owner, sometimes murderer, drug kingpin, and <laughs> his kind of quest to get out of the drug game and cheat on his wife as much as humanly possible right, along the way. Right. When we met, what did you think I was going to be? The biggest drug dealer in New York City. We opened up a nightclub to clean the money. What if it can be more than that, though, man? 
You mean we go legit? There is lots of mess, sex, killing. Sometimes it was a rough watch, but I'm not going to lie. It was really fun. I liked how <laughs> I watched it all. One of James St. Patrick's ghosts, main antagonist on the show is Kanan Stark, played actually pretty well by 50 Cent, one of the few compliments I'll ever give him. Kanan, this character played by him, quickly, quickly became like a fan favorite. Don't fucking play stupid. You know what this is about. It's payback time. I'll do whatever you got to do with me. I right? just leave my son alone, man. I do whatever the fuck I want to do. Isn't that what you did back in the day? Didn't give a fuck about what nobody else think but you, right? And as power continued, power became huge. Mm-hmm. So, so much so that at this point, it's got like three spinoff shows. Which brings us to the spinoff that we are talking about. Power Raising Canaan. So the show was billed as kind of this like throwback to the 80s and 90s like hood crime movies. And to be honest, like of all the spinoffs, I don't think anybody was expecting much out of (laughs) Raising Canaan. But (laughs) it very much has become, to me, one of the best shows on TV. I agree. And that is largely because of the character Raquel Thomas, played by the truly amazing yes. Tatina Miller. Woo. Just like his own. Yo, man, kiss my ass, look. Marvin's gonna oversee the movement and storage of our product in cash. It's gonna be the new stash. More secure, more secret, more private. I want you to move everything today. Well, how much more drugs and money? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I have to know. We tell you what you need to know, Gabe. Raquel Thomas is actually Kanan Stark's mom. In this one, Kanan is a teenager. It's set in the late 80s. And she is also the leader of a burgeoning kind of like family-run drug operation in New York. And, you know, the show was supposed to be telling us how Kanan kind of becomes like this person who we saw in this other show that we watched. Mm -hmm. Pretty quickly, you recognize this is actually Rock's story. Absolutely Rock's story. That's really what got me into it. I was like, okay. I was like, so you want me to watch a teenage 50 Cent... (laughs) Sell drugs. All right. And then when I came in, I got to meet Raquel. (sighs) Sold. To describe Rock really quickly, she's young, remarkably scrappy, remarkably intelligent, beautiful, sometimes cutthroat leader. And like, Mm -hmm. I realized, like, I've watched all these 90s crime movies, like between just like growing up and just being, you know, black and then having a black (laughs) uncle. If you got a black (laughs) uncle, you've probably seen a lot of these. So like, you know, New Jack City. Yeah, Paid in Full. Paid in Full. uh, Blue Hill Avenue. Set it off. Set it off. Set it Um, off, yeah. But for what it's worth, Set It Off is one of the only ones where you actually like see the kind of the woman as a part of the plot. Like, I feel like in all these movies, it's either... The woman is like a, you know, the love interest that becomes like a victim or she's like a, maybe the Jezebel is trying to like take his money or something or like there's all these other things, mm-hmm. but the women are never actually that deep into the no, action. No, they either like just collateral damage or the ride or die wife or girlfriend or whatever. And they be, they don't ride too much. They be dying. And so, yes, <laughs> very much so. You know? Rock is the head of this organization, but it's not like the MCU where like, you know, superheroes are now just around and out and like <laughs> everybody's gotten in and shit has changed. No, this is the same world that we are used to. Rock just has a advantage of seeing all that shit. She's like, I am not 
just the wife. I am the leader of this organization. I want to expand it. I don't want just what we were given. Like, I want more. This idea of her wanting more, you don't hear it in the context of these films. And it immediately makes you just like drawn to her. Her hunger and her drive to get on top, to stay on top, to fucking kill anybody, literally kill anybody that gets in her way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's like a vortex of energy driving the show forward. I was immediately drawn in by her, but I didn't necessarily think about her being relatable to me the same way that I felt like with Harper. Mm. I was like, I'm not going to have anything in common with this queen pin from 1985. (laughs) Because why would I? No. The more I watched the show, the more it became clear just how well I related to Rock, but just how well drawn of a character that that she is and and how like rarely have I felt like I had that much character to even grab onto with a black woman on TV like that, especially a mother. She's very involved within the family, Mm -hmm. all parts of it. She's efficient and her family be fucking. I was definitely, I'm sighing because her brothers, (laughs) fuck them. I don't even want to hear your bullshit version of what went down. I got all that from Canaan. I've been sitting on this for a few days just waiting to see if one of you will come clean. It's a test that both of you fail. He ain't snitch on you, by the way. He took it all on himself. Boy's got heart. Too much heart and too much trust in his dumbass uncle. Oh, my God. They're always taking, they, they are always kind of holding her back in some <laughs> sort of way. But in addition to that, she's, she's good at her job. She is a good, like, a drug dealer doesn't, it's a drug kingpin. Yeah, queenpin. Queen queenpin. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's good at that job. Uh, and in addition to that, she also is like, I want a love life. I want a man who respects my desire for yes, power. It's been a minute since anybody asked me out on a date. I know I'm not the kind of brother you probably mess with. Enjoy. I'm in a specific line of work, Symphony. Not everybody can get down. It's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for me. She has such full and clear desires. And to your point that we just don't get to see, like, aren't often, like, given to a woman in this context. It's very cool. She's sexual. She's a mother. She's a boss. She's a sister. She's a killer. She's a queen pin. But her relationship specifically with Symphony, who is her love interest on the show, played by Toby Sandeman, who is incredibly fine. Their relationship is interesting, not just within the world of the show. And it's not just interesting because it kind of has this very egalitarian, equitable slant to it. Um, Like, which feels like it could be kind of an unusual thing for sort of this show that's all about like drugs, money, killing, and family. Um, But (laughs) I'll be honest, like their relationship is considering their constraints. Their relationship is frankly pretty healthy. Um, yes. Even by Barry. like, right. Even by like anybody's standards, like by not just by TV standards, like by anybody's standards, they have a level of open communication. That's enviable. he knows what she does. He knows what she does, but also like, not to get too girl boss about it, but like he really supports her in her career ambitions. <laughs> yeah. He respects, he's not like trying to be in the organization. No, he's not trying to be in the organization, and he respects her position. And it's a lot of motherfuckers in real life who can't even respect your position if you are the assistant principal at, you know, your town's middle school. And they will still treat you with fucking disrespect. You know what I'm saying? So I actually it's, think it's, it's, even, it's even more than respect. He's attracted to 
her drive yes. and how she executes yes. that. He respects her and he thinks, he's like, fuck, that's this kind of sick. You know, it's kind of bomb. In addition <laughs> like, to, yeah. in addition to, to like seeing her, right, like you said, like as a sexual being, as a boss, he also gets to see her as a mother and, and forms a relationship with, with her son, Kanan. And it seems like him witnessing her be a mom increases his respect for her and his attraction Absolutely. to her. Their whole dynamic is extremely unique, I feel like, not just in TV, but also in real life. <laughs> based upon yeah, sadly. things that I hear. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting that we, it's really compelling to see the relationship unfold and also really compelling just to bear witness to how attracted he is to her mm-hmm. for things that typically you would see a Black female protagonist be punished for, I think. I mean, Absolutely. I love Insecure. But what was what mm. were, what were half the plot lines if not yeah. how are you going to decide between your man and your job? You know what I'm saying? And Raquel mm. is like, I'm literally killing niggas. I'm literally <laughs> dealing these fucking drugs. <laughs> I'm killing the game. I'm Why? literally she is really in the life. And I have a teenage son, and I'm an auntie, and I'm a sister. And also, <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at houses in the suburbs. I'm constantly dodging yeah, the cops. And I'm a bad bitch. I am a bad bitch. I'm wearing leather all the time and I got to find a man. She's like, I want all this thing and everybody's telling her she can't have shit. And she's like, fuck that. Everybody else got to go. Mm. And we mm. just kind of watch what comes after. The thing I will say that I appreciate is like, Rock's existence also as a mother changes kind of how I feel like we experience this show. We've talked about two women. Mm-hmm. One of those two women has Kill multiple people. One of them has not. <laughs> yes. But like, I don't necessarily think Rock is a terrible person. Like, I kind of understand a lot of where she has come from. You, when she's killing somebody, they fucked up. It's their fault. And you know why she did it. <laughs> yes. But seeing that contrasted with the like empathy that she gives to, you know, sometimes to her son or to her niece, who is a, like a young a queer woman trying to kind of figure out mm-hmm. her sexuality. You see all these like moments, her desires for like a normal life, like not necessarily to get out of the drug game. She No, she does not want to do that. But, uh, <laughs> but she does want all the other traffics of a normal life. And there's a softness that makes them so much more redeemable. Like, don't you see, I love Mad Men. Don Draper was a fucking asshole like <laughs> Don Draper is an asshole he is, he is. you know what I'm saying like he is rude to almost everybody except for like three characters on the show Literally. and so many of these characters are like that where like the thing that people like about them is just pure charisma like, like beyond the pure charisma we don't really like there's not a lot of like endearing because we've we've seen them get beyond like get be almost beyond that but with rock like she is making these bad choices but she's also still trying to like to trying to feel or or be accountable to people and like Mm -hmm. it's such a fascinating combination of things like she actually feels complicated like don's not that complicated no He's just like a grown white man who didn't get over his childhood demons. Rock is a much more complex character simply because she embodies more vital roles in other people's lives. The other thing that feels very different is just with her as a leader of this kind of like family. We talked once about, we had, we had a whole conversation about bad moms, right? <laughs> and I feel like Rock 
is maybe a little further than what you had in mind. Yeah, but she's yeah. definitely on that list. It's also just interesting to see. It's a very different, but strangely familiar approach to motherhood <laughs> uh, and mat- maybe matriarchy even. I don't disagree on the idea that like that like Rock's role as a mother adds dimension to her character and how her character shows up in Raising Canaan. But what I really appreciate that the show does, even though she is a mother, you see the thrill that Mm. Rock gets from Mm. just being a really good fucking drug dealer. You see the thrill (laughs) that she gets from running a tight business, from pulling off good schemes, from collecting money. I don't want to say from killing people, but from making sure that that certain books are closed on certain things. Force where I actually would agree. I don't think she's ever enjoyed the killing. (laughs) She's just not, she just doesn't run from it. No, and I appreciate that while she is a mother on the show, you do see her having some of that same Don Draper shit or Tony, Mm. kind of Tony Soprano. Just like, I love just fucking getting shit done. I love winning. I feel like a lot of times when women are in these sort of queen pen, drug dealer, whatever kind of like mob boss, whatever kind of roles, they never really get to just have that desire of just liking Mm. the fucking work. There has to be this whole other motivation of like, a woman would never do this unless it was for a child. (laughs) Unless. And I'm not saying that like it's revolutionary that she's killing people or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is story-wise and character-wise a lot more interesting and there's a lot more depth to a character who's allowed to and given full permission by the storytellers to just want to be bad for the sake of being bad. There's a plot point that I want to spoil as a result of that that I really enjoyed that I thought was so cool that you just don't get to see it from this angle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Rock has this burgeoning drug business and she's trying to find space to store her money. Mm. She's trying to find, you know, new product. And she happens to come across this other drug dealer Mm -hmm. and they have an interaction, but she observes his wife. Right. Uh, They run a bodega. Right. And the wife initially barely speaks, like doesn't really talk. It's clear she's not allowed to talk. Mm -hmm. And it's also clear that like their relationship is abusively. And so Rock sees this and, you know, I think in any other movie, well, one, Rock would have been a man, but that man would have partnered with the abusive man and somehow the wife in that scenario probably would have been killed and it would have been sad. Right. We're supposed to like take that away from it. But in this, (laughs) Rock is basically like, oh, I got something for like both y'all asses just because like this doesn't feel right. She's mm. she's seeing the drug game from a different vantage. Right. And, you know, th- she decides to work with this woman who, again, at this point, had not been empowered at all. And what they devise is, like, you know, really strategic mm-hmm. and, like, you know, and is going to make them a lot of money and also gets a bit of revenge. Mm. Um, and they they both seem to delight in that revenge. <laughs> and, <laughs> as you mentioned, the thrill. And like, we just haven't seen that. Mm-mm. And the fun is like, they're like, nah, fuck this. Like, you know, it, it, I, I almost want to, I almost expect to hear sisters are doing <laughs> it for themselves. Like, before they go fuck some shit up. Oh, like, like a nice First Lives like, Club little moment. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so it's just so random watching all these things from this vantage. But I 
love this show so much because these worlds that we were watching, I loved all those 90s movies, but they were, re- they, oh, I'm really fucked up. Yeah. Uh, not just because it was about crime, but just even <laughs> how they told the stories about how we exist within crime and, or how we exist within these narratives. And I think that like Raising Canaan, I can truly say, I just like, there is not anything playing in that space like this. So we obviously we've talked a lot about these characters and how how it feels like really different. I guess like if we were thinking about bringing something to a close, I'm curious like for you, these are so unique and I love how like these two characters are so unique and I actually love the point that you came to with Harper, which I think is where I'm at with Rock. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make my like uh, person who's watched too much TV brain keep going and figure out everything that they're <laughs> going to do. Like I actually want to sit back and just watch this this new thing unfold. Yes. Um, but I am curious, like, are there any more types of these kind of like complicated antihero women that you feel like we still haven't seen or you want to see more of? I mean, I think that there's so many places to go. I like hope that it becomes a new trope. (laughs) I really do. I hope that there's enough. My goal is that there's enough of these types of women that it can become a new trope. Maybe one day. Actually, no, what I really hope is that one day it eclipses the strong black woman. That's my, that's my personal goal, is that there are more rocks and more harpers than there are, say, why did the first person I think of was Medea? What's wrong with me? What does that say about me? What does that say about where my mind Lord, is at? No, it's not Medea. The, the protagonist in a Medea film. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, I the thing that I will say that I like that about Harper and about Rock and the shows that they're on is that Harper and Rock are taken very seriously. They're not played yes. for camp. And I feel like Annalise Keating and Olivia Pope, to a certain degree, were, I mean, I think Olivia more than Annalise probably, were yeah. played for camp. I mean, the whole point of these shows is that they were like, like evening suspense soaps. And I love them for what they were. I love them for being exactly that. But I feel like with Harper and with Rock, Black women are getting the full complex anti-hero deep dive. I want to understand their psychology treatment. And I I want to see that continue because it's such a rich landscape. Some of the stuff Rock and how are we doing? This was really going on in black women's minds. This was really going on in our minds. I, I, I don't think people understand that enough. That's going to make a lot of folks straighten up in their seat tonight. <laughs> Hopefully act right, fly right, you know? So, I, I, so. Yeah, like I thought I had probably seen every type of, you know, like those kind of like 90s era throwback type of film. Mm-hmm. So like to be able to watch this and feel like I'm getting something real new and fresh is so dope. And, you know, even with industry, again, like that's a space where I'm not like, I'm, you know, I'm not the, I watched a little bit of Billions, but I'm not the most interested in finance, but I love <laughs> good, complicated, like work dynamics yes. and, and just seeing people make choices the way people actually make choices yeah. is cool. So I'm excited to see that happen in more different contexts. And obviously, you know, my fear is that like, you know, for every uh, industry of Raising Canaan, we're probably going to get a girl boss in the city show that we maybe are. I not, mean, not, look, to <laughs> me, look, look, look. Maybe it's all, I, it's all a rising tide. I was going to say, rising tide lifts all boats. You know, I love my girl boss programs. I'm waiting for all of them to come back with their second season. You know, I think the thing that we've been circling around 
but should probably just say is that mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, these shows are satisfying and these characters are satisfying. I think like they're scratching an itch that's been there for some time that we didn't know needed to be itched or could be itched. Rock and Harper are very unique depictions of what power can look like and how it can show up. And I don't yeah. think that like wanting power or hoarding power or amassing it in and of itself is necessarily a good thing. It's not, it's not necessarily a mm-hmm. good thing. And I think that a place where people might want to push back is like, well, there's nothing revolutionary about Rock and there's nothing revolutionary about Harper, but I don't think that that's the point of prestige TV. Right. I don't think that's the point of entertaining me. It's satisfying and interesting to see people who are positioned to lose in society be driven to win by their own <laughs> rage, energy, acumen. I love seeing them win. Even I know it's dark ends. Okay. Like I know, (laughs) like I know it's unethical to help billionaires and I know that it's not good to kill people like rock is doing. Okay. But I love seeing how bad they want what they want. It really enlivens me as the viewer and it's hard not to root for them. It's actually, I would say impossible not to root for them. And Mm. I haven't been satisfied. I don't think like this, watching TV as I have been satisfied watching these two characters specifically. Yeah. It's just so, it's so interesting. It's so fun. They're doing all the things that like, we just don't typically get to see folks do. Let us know what you think about these shows. Like, can you get behind rock? Can you, you know, are you team Harper? You shouldn't, I don't know. I'm about to say, nobody's, I feel like nobody's team Yaz right now. Yaz I'm not team Yaz. I kind of <laughs> am team Eric. I'm team Eric and team Harper at the same time. I same. know sometimes those can be at odds, but I fuck with them yes. both. And obviously, you know, my Holly Harold and Ken Long are like chef's kiss performance department. Like, I don't know how they okay. built their characters together, but they be giving me chills. They give me chills. It's good. It's good. There's so many good details. Anyway, we can talk about these shows forever. I know. But we want to hear from you. Yes. Y'all know where to find us. Afro Colored Nurse. Tell us what you think because these shits are good. And hey, if you are uh, in a green light decision for yeah. industry, like, stop playing. Yeah, please stop playing. Bring it back. Bring it back. For Colored Nurse was created by me, Eric Eddings, and Brittany Luce. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams, story editor Gianna Palmer, social producer Elise Ellis, and engineer Marcus Hom. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from you so, so much. So please shout us out on Instagram at For Colored Nerds, on Twitter at For Colored Nerds. You can find us everywhere at For Colored Nerds. And tell your friends, too. We love it also when we're like, yo, my homie, cousin, best friend told me to listen to this episode and it was bomb. And then I subscribed. That's like my favorite song. So please do your do your friend, do your community a favor and share an episode and tell us which one it was. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. 
Learn more at funturns50.com.